Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. I wonder out here if we have any fans of the so-called classic Sound of Music movie out there. Any fans of the Sound of Music out there? Oh, good. Well, a few years ago, my wife and I, back, we were traveling around Europe, and uh, we decided that we mutually agreed that we could each pick one thing that we would have to participate in happily, joyfully. And so I made my, my choice in France. We did this Brand of Brothers World War II tour as really cool. And uh, Beck came along happily and enjoyed it. And then we got to Salzburg, Austria. And uh, it turns out the so-called classic Sound of Music movie was filmed in Salzburg. And Beck discovered this and she saw the ad of a three-hour bicycle tour. <laughs> and she assured me, that this is gonna be great, you know, come along, you're gonna get a mountain bike, it's gonna be great fun, and, and, uh, and so I said, okay, fine, let's do this, let's do this, and we arrived, there was 20 happy ladies, and me, <laughs> and I didn't get a mountain bike, I got what I think is the original Maria bike, <laughs> and this thing, I looked like a gorilla at the circus, seriously, and it had a basket for my purse, and it had a bell, and the bell was like a warning. Every time you hear the bell, a new song was about to begin, no matter how many times it had already been sung that day. And I learned a lot about women who liked the sound of music along this three-hour circus bicycle tour. The first is this, act like you're having a great time, or they will help you have a great time <laughs> with more participation. Secondly, Women must train for this event because they know every line of every song, no matter how many times it's been sung that day. And thirdly, if you even whisper a few lines of any part of the song, regardless of the number of times it's been sung, it's like throwing petrol on fire and they will spontaneously burst into song. And Pastor John loves it when we have some singing on stage with Ryan. And so therefore, as a little experiment, if I said do, oh great, Ray, me, far, uh, give me flashbacks. So, la, tea, this is going to bring me some counseling. <laughs> Today we're entering part two of our great banquet series and we're turning our attention from the invitation found in Luke 14, to the guest list. Now the guest list to this great banquet table that's spoken of is good news. There's an open table. There's a seat for you at the table. And if that's the only thing you remember today, remember that. There's a seat 
for you at the table. And as a church, we have this great part in sharing the invitation. That's so wonderful, it's often spoken about as the wedding feast throughout scriptures, a time of union between God and his people where things in this world are finally set right and the miracles of Jesus are a foretaste of that coming event where the hungry are fed as food is multiplied. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the mentally ill are made well, and the dead rise. It's a hope in the future. And yet if someone were to ask you of why this invitation matters, what's so good about the guest list and the gospel of Jesus, what would you say? What would you say? I was asked that by a a talented musician who has no connection to church or faith, and they asked me, why is Jesus so good? I said, it's a bit like like a love song that God started a long time ago. A song that's transforming the world. Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words, some are just learning the words, and some will hear it soon for the first time. But we're all invited. The guest list is open to join along. And this is not just this song, it's the historic reality of God breaking into history to prepare a way for a destiny. And there's a seat for you at this table. All of this series that we're talking about, the the great banquet centers around Luke 14. And if you can imagine the scene, Picture it, Jesus sitting around this table, eating a meal, sharing it with a group of religious Pharisees. I mean, these are pious, good folks. I mean, they have their lives neatly put together. They would have been working so hard in life to tick all the boxes that says this is what a successful life looks like. And around this table, as they're eating, Jesus notices how they're jockeying for better positions around the table, trying to get to the head of the table, to look as if this is what it means to be part of the inner, in crowd. And Jesus notices it, and he calls it out. And he starts to overturn their idea of who's in and who's out. He's calling out their behavior, and suddenly an awkward moment happened. It drops like a clanger. It's one of those social moments that if I were to do it, perhaps I would receive a kick under the table or get what we husbands call the eye (laughs) and a long car ride home. But it goes further. Somebody gets the bright idea in this awkward moment or perhaps people are quite quiet shuffling their feet They're gonna make an icebreaker statement. That's gonna fix it up. Luke 14, 15, somebody says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, as if to say, hey, here's something we can all agree on. How good is that coming feast of God's banquet ahead? Hey, we're all gonna be in good seated positions here, right? And that time comes, how good will that be? And there's this assumption in the statement, an assumption of who's in 
And who's out on God's guest list? As if to say, clearly all of us good folks are in, and all those sinners, those immoral Gentiles, people with messy lives who are messing up our world, finally God's going to deal with them. And we sit at that banquet table. And Jesus goes from the clangor and takes it to a whole other level. He tells them a parable that reveals the nature of God's kingdom and God's purpose and God's good news of the guest list. It says this in Luke 14, 16, Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I must go examine them. Please excuse me. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has already been done. It's been done. There's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways of the hedges, compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And the story and the parable would have shocked those that were listening, overturned their ideas of who's in and who's out of the guest list. I encourage you to listen in to Pastor John's message last week that focuses on the invitation, but at least two things stood out for me that set the stage, that convict and inspire my heart. The conviction is this, that throughout history, all of Israel waited with this anticipation of the reign of God breaking into history. The prophet spoke of it as this great wedding feast, and if anyone in Israel, any Jew was asked, If they wanted to be a part of the invitation, they would have said it with an emphatic voice, yes. But even when Jesus came, what was he doing? He was announcing it's coming. His signs and miracles were a foretaste. He was announcing the good news. And it was stamped with God's authority with his miracles and a resurrection. Many who originally had said yes, though, emphatically, we're now missing it. They made lame, self-centered excuses. Who buys a field without seeing it? Who buys cows without looking at them? Many received the invitation, but were missing out on the guest list because they were so focused on their own priorities, their own lives, their own agendas, that they were missing out what God was wanting to do for the whole world he loves. And my conviction is this, in what ways have I said yes to the invitation, but in living in such a way that might be excusing me from the guest list? Missing out on the wider story of what God's doing in our city. 
but I'm also inspired at the same time because there is good news in it all. The guest list is good news. There's a place for you and I at the table. Go out to the highways and the hedges. Compel people to come in. That's shorthand for the outsiders, like the Gentiles, people like you and I, the broken, the crippled, the lame, that would fill the streets of those times where the unclean, you wouldn't go near them. They weren't even allowed into the holy places. But because of what Christ was doing and laying his life down for us, a new kind of table, these outsiders were now the ones who were filling up the guest list. The little, the least, the last, the lost, and the lame. You're on the guest list. There's a seat for you at the table. And Jesus commissioned us as his church to share the good news of this guest list. Matthew 28, 18, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. I think it's time, church, that we make Jesus' last command our first priority. Make disciples. It's in the imperative mood, which has this sense that as, as you go through the everyday places of life, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, at the gym, whatever places you're sent, make Disciples, be in the process of revealing the good news of God's guest list as you pray, as you care, and you share, you invite them to come. To receive good news. Like a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, where life is found. Do you know the power of an invitation? And maybe we think, you know, I don't know the words to the song. I'm not sure if I'm gonna say it the right way. I'm just gonna leave it to those extroverts in church. You know, I'm gonna cheer them along as they go out. They're highly caffeinated. Look at they're very excited. They're gonna go. Let's just cheer them along. You know how most people come to faith though? It's friends inviting friends. Friends inviting friends, a brother inviting a brother, an Andrew grabbing a Peter and saying, Hey, I met this Jesus. You gotta come meet him. I mean, you read about the paralyzed man with four friends in Luke 2. You're like, did he even want to go? I don't know, but he had four friends, and they were taking him. And it was hard work. They had to push through the crowd. They got to break through the roof. I don't know if he wanted to go, but I know by the end of meeting Jesus, I bet he's glad he did. I could tell you story after story. The power of an invitation. I heard about this one guy recently named Adam. Adam lost his job here in Brisbane. He was a pilot. COVID hit, lost his job as a pilot. Adam was living a stressful life already, and all the extra stress of losing his job, suddenly his marriage fell apart. Suddenly his finances fell apart. Soon Adam was living on the streets of Brisbane. Adam got invited to come to Alpha, come explore faith, and he did. His life was transformed. 
Today, Adam's regularly in church, getting his life together. He said, I have never had so much trouble in my life, but I've also never had so much peace. It's the power of an invitation. I can tell you just one other quick story about this lady named Cherie. I met Cherie about nine months ago now. I was visiting a, a church in Brisbane here again. About 10 years ago, Cherie was in, uh, doing time in prison, and she was like leading some of the, the worst stuff. Like she was kind of one of the gang leaders in the prison. She was telling people what to do. Somebody invited her to Alpha, and she's like, oh, that's not my thing. I don't think so. Uh, but they were giving free food, and she had nothing else to do. And so she went. And she said, after week after week, I just felt like I'm compelled to go back. And eventually she came to faith. And today, she's not only out and got a cleaned up life, she is now going into the women's correctional facilities and saying, running Alpha, and then helping them as they come out, get their lives back together. She's a leader in the church because of an invitation. We have our own stories in our own church here. I'm just telling you they exist, but it's the power of an invitation, a friend inviting a friend. There is a process in coming to faith, steps along the way, but it can all start with three simple words, come and see, come with me, come and see. I've told you the research, one in four would come if invited by a trusted friend, one in two if they're under the age of 25. Lifeline numbers are off the charts. The harvest is plentiful out there. What we need is to move the harvesters, encourage one another, share the invitation. Because we all have come to Jesus through a relationship. Romans 10, 14 says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? How can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone has been sent to do it? I thank God that God has sent someone. It's you and I, the church, alive to the call to the Great Commission. And as we go, he promises that his presence will go with us, making us aware of the opportunities to help someone take their next step of faith. I mean, we are all sitting here because someone who loved us or cared about us invited us along to take a step. Maybe as a child, a parent bringing us along, or a grandparent, uncle, aunt, or as a young person or an adult, someone invited us to take a next step, encouraged us along the way. Or maybe we're even here today because someone who cared about us invited us along, but we're not sure exactly how we feel yet about Jesus or where our faith is at. That's okay. That's okay too. We all have come to a faith in Jesus because of a relationship. Someone cared about us. William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render one another. And it happens in the context of everyday life and everyday relationships. Well, three things to encourage us as we share the invitation, the good news of the guest list. Three things. The first is this, God is already on the go. God is already at work in the life of those people around us that we're with. Secondly, the Spirit is the lead evangelist. It's not us, it's not a pastor or a tract. It's only the Spirit that can reveal Christ for who He is, Savior, Redeemer, to reveal the good news of the gospel. So our part is to celebrate the invitation to invite them. It's God's part 
to move in their hearts to reveal Christ for who he is. And therefore, lastly, we each have a role to play. God invites us to be a part of his great story, however small it may seem. We pray for them, we love them, and we remind them there's a place for you at the table. I love how Daryl Johnson defines evangelism. He says, we are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with somebody. We're inviting them to listen in, that they're invited, they're on the guest list to the great banquet table. Come and see. You know, there's power in an invitation. Jesus invites his followers, come, follow me. The disciples often say, come and see. Come and see. I mean, an invitation, it's like a, a mini proposal that has the power to transform a destiny. Most marriages started by way of invitation. They took one look at me, and they thought, invitation. Uh-huh, thank you, Beck. Invitation, I'm gonna invite them to a movie, a walk. I wanna have a coffee with them. Invitation. Most adventures start by way of invitation. Now, not all of us are, are gifted speakers or preachers or whatever, and thank God we're not, because we need the whole body. This is friends inviting friends. And throughout the Bible, when you see God at work, you often see it happening in these three different ways. God sending everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. Everyday people, just think about it. Imagine that you're in that moment where Jesus comes announcing that good news. Suddenly, the, the people are, are, that are lame are walking. You're thinking, wow. Suddenly, food is multiplying and just appearing. Suddenly, blind people seeing. I mean, what would you do? I know what I would do. I'd be like, okay, let's make a plan. Well, you need the best and the brightest. We need to get a social media team together. We gotta get our comms working together. Rally events, rally events, we're gonna get this thing going. We're gonna make it happen. We need the best and the brightest. We need a dream team. We need the best. But listen in how God chooses everyday people. Because Jesus makes his first round draft picks like this. Matthew 4, 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. How incredible. Jesus enters this poor backwater town of Galilee. A place that people, even in that time, they would just make fun of. Can anything good come from this area, they would say? So right away, we, we, we see that this call isn't something to do with our capacities or our capabilities. The invitation to share isn't about what we can do for God, but celebrating what he has done for us. These are just fishermen. If they were, had any potential, you know what they would do in that day? They would send you off to Bible school. They'd send you off to study the Torah. 
And then the, the students would ask a rabbi, can I follow you? This is a stunning reversal. Jesus goes into the broken backwaters of Galilee. And he invites these everyday people. Do you want to follow me? Because this is a celebration of what God has done for us, what we can do for him. Everyday people, I'm picking you. Follow me. Catch more than fish. Let's catch people with the good news of the guest list. How amazing is it that following the resurrection of Jesus, it was the same everyday people that went on to transform the world by the power of their spirit with them. And when Peter is hauled into court in Acts 4.13, we can read about it. It says, when the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John, you know, they're all standing around. The whole courtroom's watching. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized these were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What qualifies us to share the invitation is our following of Jesus. These men had been with Jesus, the same presence of Christ abiding in our hearts today that continues to transform the world and our city in Brisbane. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. There's a place for you at the table. You know, you can't encounter Jesus for who he really is until we recognize our own need of a savior. To recognize that we've got problems in our life and what we see in the news at night that are beyond our strength. How can we get on this guest list? Well, Jesus tells the, the religious crowd in Matthew 21, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Now, Jesus isn't trying to say, hey guys, pick up your game, work harder at being good. He's saying, give up on the idea that you can do this on your own. I am making a way for you by my sacrifice that you would sit at my table to join my guest list. Do you know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is in the go recorded in the gospels? The greatest person, the person that brings the most people to faith. And you would think it's going to be someone with a, a life neatly put together who's, who's got all their, their world sorted out. But it was someone who knew they needed God's help because what they longed for was beyond their own strength. It's the Samaritan woman at the well. Who would have picked her? A whole town for Jesus. Uh, you can read the story later, but firstly, she's a woman. And women in that day, in that culture, they were treated terribly. Their testimony wasn't even valid in the courts of law. But God chose her. She's a Samaritan. They're considered like half-breed, they're called like half-breed dogs. They're, they're the wrong people, wrong class. It's the sixth hour when you read the story. 
And the sixth hour in that time, that's the middle of the day. This is a hot desert climate. Who is out there in the middle of the day, the hot desert, collecting water? When culturally, that would happen in the morning, in community. They go and collect the water in the morning. But she's out here in the hot of the day. And it tells you something about who she is. She's probably a very lonely woman. Probably an outcast. You read the story further and you say, you discover she's had five broken marriages, five times rejected by a man. And now she's living with somebody. Can you imagine the heartache? The feelings of being counted out. And now she's living with a guy because if you didn't in that time, in that culture, you probably didn't have a roof over your head or food to eat. And you can imagine her reflecting on her life, thinking, I had all these dreams and hopes for a future, a family, security, and all these things I ever wanted in life. And here I am in the heat of the day, But she encounters Jesus. And he promises something of living water. As something about this guest list, this invitation, moves her heart. And she's so excited, she runs back to town in 429 that says, come, this is what she says to the town, the whole town, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows all about my life. He knows all the mistakes I've made. And he loves me. He's saying there's a place for me at the table. Could this be the Messiah? She asked. And the town came out. They met Jesus. And the townspeople said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man truly is the savior of the world. How amazing. The greatest messenger of the gospel is this unknown woman at the well. A whole town for Jesus with three simple words, come and see. Come and see. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. There's a place for you. Courage not being the absence of fear, but a willingness to keep going because there's something greater beyond it. Jesus knew what it was like In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, is there any other way than the cross to lay down my life? But he was willing because of something greater, a vision he had for you and I to be at his guest list. The disciples knew the fear. After the crucifixion, what do we find? They're hiding behind locked doors. They're afraid that they're going to be next. Something greater than their fears stepped through that moved in their hearts to set their hearts on fire to move beyond the fear to share good news. My fear is that the gospel we have to share, the guestless good news, just becomes background music to our lives. 
and we leave it to some to sing when we need the whole body to sing in our own ways with our own voice. Because God is sending everyday people who have encountered him with courage to share. I just want to tell a story and then we're going to watch a video. Albert McMakin was a 24-year-old farmer who had recently come to faith in Christ. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and he took them to a meeting to hear about Jesus, a tent meeting. There was a good-looking farmer's son who was especially keen to get to this meeting. Albert wanted his friend to come, but his friend was hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with different girls and didn't seem to be attracted to Christianity at all. Eventually, Albert managed to persuade his friend to come, asking him to drive the truck to the meeting. And when they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in and listen in to what was being said. And he was spellbound, began to have thoughts he had never known before. He went back again and again each night until one night he went forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And that man, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And we know since that time how Billy went on to share the gospel to millions around the world in such ways that even in Australia, our culture was, ever trans was forever transformed. There's not a church I go to every Sunday now where I say, has anyone's lives been touched by what Billy's ministry here in the late 70s? Somebody's hands goes up and say, yeah, I was, my parents went to faith or I came to faith. We can't all be Billy Graham, but we can all be like his friend Albert. We can all invite our friends and share the good news that they're on the guest list. Billy Graham said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for the new generation. We are that new generation now. Who will accept the invitation? So what we're going to do now is we're going to watch just our own story about the power of an invitation. And I encourage you, if you were handed one of these as you walked in, just to hold it in your hand and be thinking about who you can be praying for as we enter into a season that as a church we would be sharing through Alpha and through every other means the good news of the guest list. My name's Phil King. I live in Brisbane in Queensland. I'm married, I have two adult children. How did I come to Alpha? I've been riding or cycling for some 10 to 15 years. In 2013, my oldest lad asked me if I'd like to join a group called Altitude. He'd been riding with them um, for a few weeks and really liked the people. And uh, I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest, because um, I heard that the Altitude crew were mainly Christians. Um, so I kind of resisted for a few weeks. And then um, one morning, uh, Matt got up and he said, come on, join me on a ride. And I thought, oh, why not? And so I kind of enjoyed the morning and then I started riding with him on a regular basis. I think back in, in 2015, uh, before coming to Christ, that I was probably close to being suicidal. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, it's just 
uh, yeah, it was one of those things. And uh, but I also felt that um, you know with my family that I couldn't let them down. I was still you know that would have been a very difficult thing to do. But there was also the thing that I probably could have just abandoned everything, left home and lived on the streets. It was that close. I was able to share that with with these guys, which I wouldn't share with lots of other groups. But because of the relationship that we built with these guys and their character. I felt quite comfortable in doing that. From that conversation that, that evening, um, Rod rang me up and um, asked me to come to Alpha. If you have the opportunity to invite somebody to Alpha, I would, I would recommend you grab it and, and do it. There's, there's no easier way that I know of to walk people through into, into finding Jesus Christ as their saviour. So the night that I rolled up at Alpha, it was um, it took me by surprise. I hadn't really been to church, and and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, I've not been to church for at uh, that stage for some 40 years, and the first thing I noticed in there was that um, it was a very welcoming, very loving, and and they were engaged me and they asked me questions. We had the video, which I really enjoyed, and I went away and thought about that a lot um, the following week, and actually looked forward to the second session. And again, the questions, the video was really good. I really liked the, the topics and uh, they really sort of started to open my mind up to, to thinking about that through the week. By the, the third week, I was pretty much all in. Uh, I remember dri driving home that night and thinking, wow, this is probably the best thing I've ever done. My world was just collapsing around me. I'd lived in internally relying on my own strength to live through the, the difficult times and I couldn't do that anymore. And now, now through Alpha, it's opened up that I can actually lean on, on Jesus and, and that now I go to church regularly, still mentored and, and through, through Rod um, and the other Christians I know. And yeah, it's been a great honour, a great privilege um, and absolute joy to see his life changed um, so radically and so quickly because within a few weeks I could see his life changing. Um, not only was, was he being convicted, but he was enjoying um, the freedom that Christianity was offering him and that God was offering him. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that we have received the invitation We've heard about it. Inspire our hearts now to share the good news of the invitation, of the guest list. Come, Holy Spirit. Come move in our hearts in such a way that those who think, I'll leave it to the extroverts, realize that God's left us with a commission that we don't need to wait until we're ready or our lives are neatly put together. In fact, we're just going to wear ourselves trying until we come to your table and receive it as a gift. As I prayed for the church this morning, feeling like I've come home to a church family so excited I had a picture of our church worshipping together and was reminded of our name which seems very basic and simple rivers move 
If they're not moving, it's stagnant and dying. Rivers move. They move with life. And I saw a picture of our church worshiping in this place. But the joy of the worship moving through the city. Some who have never heard that song begin to hear it for the first time. The joy that whatever our battle or circumstance, God has stepped into history to prepare a way for destiny. It's a seat at the table for us. I don't want to die wondering what would have happened if I would have just prayed for that friend. If I just would have said to that one person, would you come and see? Because God says in his word that I will build my church. I am doing it now. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Therefore, with confidence, we step out from this place singing his song, telling his story above every other story, a love that shapes every other love in our life. That we would carry this message. Who is it in your life that you're going to invite in the season ahead to hear more? Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.